1: Today I'm welcoming Reverend Lorenzo Labrija, who is the Chief Innovation Officer of Virginia Theological Seminary and the founding director of Tritank Experimental Lab, an action laboratory for church innovation. Prior to launching Tritank, Father Lorenzo was the chief development officer for the Episcopal Diocese of Los Angeles. He also served as the pastor on behalf of the Bishop at St. John's Episcopal Church in San Bernardino, California and as the priest associate at St. Athanasius Episcopal Church at the Cathedral Center of St. Paul in Los Angeles. He studied at the General Theological Seminary in New York City, where he earned his Master of Divinity degree. All right, welcome to the show, Lorenzo Labrija. Thanks so much for being here. Thanks. Hopefully I got your name right there. You did, you did. Well done. Awesome. I had a moment of stage fright. (laughs) Anything else you'd like our
2: listeners to know about you? Well, I think the introduction said it all about my professional side. I guess on my my non-professional side, oh, my nephews gave me a, a an an emotional support llama. So it's this little stuffed llama that I take with me everywhere I go. And people now have come to associate the llama with my travels and so they ask more for the llama and how the llama's doing than me.
1: So there you go. And here you here you go. You made me not record video. And <laughs> I know, right? Sorry. <laughs> Because I wasn't prepared to
2: record video, I thought it was only a podcast, so I didn't shave this morning. I'm wearing a
1: hat. Everyone's going to miss out on the llama. Well,
2: if they follow me on Facebook, you'll see the llama everywhere.
1: Okay, there you go.
2: (laughs) In fact, people are now saying, like, shouldn't the llama, like, you shouldn't you wash the llama or something? It's getting dirty and all. It's like all scraggly. Yeah, so there you go.
1: I'm as a parent of young children, I'm well acquainted with disgusting uh, animals. (laughs) So, but you know what I think this says about me, though, is that. As important as
2: the work we do in the church is, which is to bring people to Jesus Christ and to, to really just show them what the world and what our lives could be like, is that we don't always have to take it so seriously.
1: Mm-hmm. That
2: in there, there is life. That in there, there is the opportunity to laugh and to say, especially in, in, the, in the realm and the space of innovation, that we can be like, uh, you know what? We messed up and we didn't kill the church. So let's just keep going forward. So I think having a sense of humor uh, is important.
1: Yeah, I, I'm glad we're. I appreciate the energy you're bringing to this already. So, share a little bit about your faith journey, what that looked like uh, coming to the faith, and what that looks like today. Wow, I don't it, it, a faith
2: journey. It's it's a deep. How long do we have? No, just kidding. Uh, you know, it's one of those things. I don't think I ever did not have faith. I can't ever imagine or think of my life without faith. Even before I was what I would consider sort of like uh, re- able to remember, have memories. Every memory I have has to be seeing the world through like spiritual eyes. That was just the way I see it. Now, to be clear, I, I've never had an apparition. I've never had, you know, like the Virgin Mary appear to me or talk to me or angels or Gabriel or anyone. So for me, it's always been that the world is spiritual. As Rob Bell says, right? Everything is spiritual. And I think I see it that way. Mm-hmm. So my journey has actually been about deepening My faith. And that's what I invite others who travel this journey along with me. That's sort of what I am, my friends, family, everyone is just like, how do we go deeper in our faith? How do we, God continues to get bigger. Here I am, I'm, I'm about to turn 50 years old, and still I just keep learning more about. God as revealed through scriptures, as God as revealed in my own experience of life. And so that's sort of what it is. Now, if you're asking specifically like when or how did I decide to become a, a priest, that's different. My mom will tell you that when I was four, I would put down the toilet seat and it was perfect size and I would put a towel on top of it and I would celebrate the Eucharist in Latin. So did it start when I was four or did it start when I went to seminary at 39, almost 40, right? It's like, which one is it? And and I, I just think there's, there's been this, this call from, from God, to just want to be more in my. So I love spirituality. I love everything about the spiritual world and exploring it and learning more. And, and I think that that curiosity is what carries over into the work that
1: I do. Yeah, that's great. Uh, what are some spiritual practices that have been meaningful to you then? Uh, certainly central to it is, is the Eucharist. I, I, mm-hmm. I
2: love, I think that while I, I know that God is everywhere and God is with me right here and God is with you right there and God is with us always, but there's something about that happens at, at, at that moment in the Eucharist, both as a celebrant, which is a, a, a unique and such a privilege to do, but also just as a participant to be able to see it. I really do think that that's a moment when we can sort of see a little bit of Jacob's ladder and the angels bringing down God's gifts and, 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 and greatness to us in a, in a palpable way, and also taking all of our concerns up to God. I think one of the greatest things that we can bring to the altar as, a, as an offering is all the concerns that we have and just offer those to God. But in my day-to-day, I am, I am situated, I am grounded, in uh, the daily office. I begin every morning. The first thing I do before I look at emails or texts or anything else is to do the daily office, to do morning prayer. I don't always get to do evening prayer or compliment, but I certainly begin with, uh, with just the daily office. Morning prayer grounds me in that this work that I am doing, which is so exciting and so much fun, is all about God and only about God. It isn't about me. It isn't about the church. It isn't about anything but God.
1: You know, I'm tempted, as you are Episcopalian and the Eucharist has been in the news, it seems like, over the last couple years to just change direction completely and ask you questions about the Eucharist, but we'll,
2: (laughs) i am I am, I woefully inadequate to answer that. Uh, there are many, many, and much more smart people, much smarter people than I that can answer the questions theologically about what that means. So (laughs) I'm glad you're not pivoting.
1: (laughs) (laughs) The daily office though is intriguing because I just think how, how I find myself just immediately in the morning, alarm goes off, you know, I'm, Turning off my alarm on the phone and then immediately checking emails. What is? What do you think? Like a, like what does that practically look like? I'm asking for myself, perhaps, for you to go straight (laughs) to the daily office and then B. How do you think like that helps you versus that kind of immediate like technological dive in that so many of us do. It, and it's also very addicting to want to check, like, what happened overnight? Did
2: anyone right. text me? Especially because you have to remember, for those of us who are on the West Coast, and you're sort of West, you know, right. uh, you're mountain time. Uh, I'm already beginning three hours later. So when <laughs> I get up, yeah. it's p- most of my colleagues who are on the East Coast are already doing things. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what have they been doing? What have they been up to? And, and how can I participate in that? But for me, the way that it looks is I get up. I literally, I, like, stretch. I do one of those, like, cat stretches, like, Eah! And then I just pick up my phone and I go and I sit in the same spot on my couch. I turn on some soft music in the background and I just open up an app. We have an app uh, from Forward Movement uh, that has the daily office and I just do the daily office. It is all prepared for me so I don't have to go and look at the readings, go and look at, I just, it's all there. And it just makes it so much easier. And what I really actually, part of it, what I like is when it has like a a saint of the day or a feast that we're celebrating and -hmm. it has a small sort of reflection on it or a little historical background on who that person is. And I just find that inspirational. And for me, beginning that way, just gets me started in a more centered space than if I were to begin with an email saying, why didn't you turn in this form? This is right. missing, that's missing, when are we gonna get an answer on this? What are we? So for me, it's more about like, how do I just remind myself that this is and and I actually see a difference in, in hmm. my life. But when I don't do it, I feel the difference that I didn't do that today. Mm. And likewise, the one thing that I do do, (laughs) he said do do, the one thing (laughs) you're going to be like, great, it's like my kids all over again. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So the one last practice that I do at the end of the day, literally, when I am like about to go to sleep, is I do the examine. And I ask myself, what brought me life today? And -hmm. what took away life today? And it is life changing when you do that. Just that simple question. And I just... I asked God to help point out the moment today when I, I just found myself closest to God and when I find myself furthest from God. Those, that's what those questions ask. And it is amazing when you do that regularly, you start to realize that there are certain things that do bring you more life and that there are certain things that are taking it away. And then any logical person would look at it and be like, why am I doing that thing that takes life away so often? Why do I wanna keep doing that if it's taking life away? I, I don't wanna participate in that. I don't wanna, you know so whatever it might be, whatever that thing is. So I those two practices sort of anchor my day, beginning and end, and and, and yeah, throughout the day, I, I'm I'm reminded. My 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 smartphone goes off at noon to remind me to say, "In our Father." Just so yeah. that again, I'm I'm. It's like the monastic period, right? The why they have the bells to bring yourself back. It's like, yes, I'm having a lot of fun doing what I'm doing, but I need to be centered that this is for 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 God.
1: I love it. I appreciate you sharing about that, and I'm intrigued how you're able to like the technology. I'll say it this way. You're able to be the master of the technology, it sounds like, rather than it being the master of you. Don't get me wrong. There are moments when I open it up and I see that there's several texts and I see that there's, you know,
2: 22 emails in my inbox already. And like even this morning, funny, I was about to like – and I'm like, no, prayer first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. it's like it just becomes this thing, things like prayer first. It, it Also, it doesn't take long. Those hmm. 10 minutes when I go through the daily office. And also, when I'm I, the, the other part that I open is I have a in my notes app. Mm-hmm. I have a list. So whenever I say for to someone, it's like, hey, I'll pray for you. I literally add it to my note app. And so that's the other thing that I open when I get to the intercessions. I look at it and I'm like, okay, and I'm lifting up this person for this and this person for that. And then I also do a little bit of listening prayer where I say, God, is there anyone else that I should be praying for? Let me bring them to mind. And oftentimes I'll be like, oh, okay, I'm thinking of my nephew today. I don't know why. And then afterwards I'll like text them. is like, hey, just thinking about you. I hope you're okay. And again, it just, it's such a, it's it's a considerably better way of starting the day than with an email from finance saying, "Hey, you forgot to attach this form." <laughs> and I get those a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, "Hey, Lorenzo, great that you're like doing all this travel. Where's all the receipts?" I'm like, "Oh,
0: damn. Oh, yeah.
1: We should talk about uh I should ask you about receipt uh, tracking apps here, maybe when we 're done
2: <laughs> oh, I have a great system it's it 's the easy i 'll tell you right now. I have Dropbox connected to my phone. I create a PDF uh-huh. and I begin always with the amount, so I always begin like twelve ninety five and then you know subway and while I was traveling and I just when I get my my accounting from my my expense report for when I get the 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 credit card bill i'm able to match it because you're in in Dropbox, they will always be by the amount. So I right. look at the amount, I'm like, nope, there it is, and I just attach it together. It takes me, cons- it used to take me several hours, and it's always in the same spot. So I don't have to save mm-hmm. receipts. I just create a PDF and I put it in there. And anyway, so that's probably more than people. That sounds know.
1: great. Sounds great. All <laughs> right. Well, uh, I guess I kind of relate to See, I we'll- innovate everywhere. Yeah, I you innovate-, innovate everywhere. There you go. <laughs> so speaking of innovation, uh, I brought on Lorenzo, which I talked about in his book, How to Try. Design thinking and church innovation, and uh, I don't know how I how I found your book. I think um, just talking to folks at, at your publisher, at church publisher, uh, publishing, excuse me, or the whole. I'm I'm going to go with the Holy Holy Spirit brought it to you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I was intrigued just to kind of hear about or read about your story. So talk about TriTank, Tank, what that's about, and how you got into this.
2: Yeah, thanks. Uh, so Tritank is, we call ourselves, it, the, the full name is Tritank Experimental Laboratory. We're an action research proof of concept laboratory for the church. And every time that I say that to people, they're like, I understand that everything you just said is in English, but I don't <laughs> understand that in the words, in the form you just said it, because they're thinking like church innovation doesn't go together. Right, right. Well, here's what we do to, to put it sort of as easy as I can. We try to look ahead to... 10 years, we're 10 years looking ahead, like where's the church going to be in 10 years? And then what we do is we try to come up with experiments of how the church can better live into that future. If it's going to look this certain way, do we want it to happen this way? If not, how come, how might we be able to avoid, right? We, we know that the numbers keep dropping. So mm-hmm. how might we be able to avoid every young person everywhere, not coming to church? So let's look at some of those. And we also look at some of the things that are happening. It's like, oh, how do we live more into those? Mm-hmm. And then we try to figure out how we can live more into those. And so we do experiments. And action research just means that instead of just doing it in a laboratory, so it's not just Lorenzo sitting in his office and just writing, you know, papers and putting out ideas. Rather, we go out and we find partners. We partner – right now we have over 500 partner congregations, mostly Episcopal but not all. Um, and we we actually tried with them. So we're – I'll give you an example. Right now we're trying we, – we discovered that 72% so – the Episcopal Church – mainly white denomination, yeah. only 2% Latino. Yet yeah, we know the country's becoming more and more Latino. So we're like, okay, right, how do we try to do that? But the big stumbling block always when you talk to people about uh, Latino ministry is like, well, I don't speak the language. And now we can actually say, well, good news, they don't either. Because it turns out that 72% of Latinos in the U.S. either speak or prefer to speak English. Interesting. And you're like, that's, that's, that's an amazing opportunity because it means that language doesn't have to stop us from reaching them. And so what we're doing right now is we're trying to figure out something that is in culture. Mm -hmm. rather than in language. And what would that look like? What would it look like if we had the ecclesiastical flexibility? In other words, if we were in in the Episcopal Church, we're not used to doing like first communions, but it is a very Mm -hmm. cultural thing for Latinos. So, and we have nothing against marking that day. So what would it look like if we were to, to sort of bring those two together? And so we're exploring with four congregations around the country right now, what does it look like to do Latino ministry, but in English? And and that's just the sort of work that we do. We 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 sort of look at we need to do more Latino ministry, and the way we've been doing it is is one way, and it works well in in, in some places, not everywhere, of course.
1: But how might we do it differently? That's what we ask. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Um, I'm kind of a research nerd, so I really appreciate the research aspect. <laughs> um, I do a lot of research. Oh my god, I can. Uh, no one can see it like the llama, but I have a,
2: a stack of books to be read. So uh-huh. if if you were to look around, I have like tons and tons and tons and tons of books, and I just like read everywhere. I read research. I'm also the fact that the the tri tech is associated with with a, basically a graduate school means that mm-hmm. we have an amazing library with amazing librarians that help me do research all the time. Yeah. So it's, I'm, I'm incredibly lucky that way. Oh, going back to the story of how Tritech came to be, right? So we we're mm-hmm. like, all right, we're this action research proof of concept. In other words, we don't want to run ministries. We want to create stuff that others can then go. And particularly, we, we look for things that can be replicable in different contexts mm-hmm. um, so that others could do it and, and go to scale with them. And so the way that it came about, as most great ideas, was over a meal, I was having a uh, dinner with the Dean and president of Virginia Theological Seminary and we were talking and he, we, we were just, you know, as, as normally happens when, when you, when church people gather together, it's like, Hey, what's the future of the church? What are we going to do? What's happening? And we were looking at those questions. And at one point he asked what, one should probably never ask someone like Lorenzo, is like, hey, Lorenzo, if you could do anything in the church, what would you do? And I'm like, well, I, I'm a very much an ideas person. I love creating things, blah, 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 blah. It's like, so it would be kind of like a think tank. There'd be a lot of ways of how we might be different, how the Holy Spirit, because they have to be theologically grounded, right? Mm-hmm, this is a, mm-hmm. uh, I was talking to people that up in Northern California, they're like, oh, you're like, you're like basically Silicon Valley, but for the church, I'm like, Kind of, sort of, uh, because they take things, they break them, and then create new ones. It's like, but we have 2,000 years of tradition that we don't want to break with. We want to bring that with us. Right. So how do we honor that? So – all that to say, we want to come up with ideas that we can try. And we need to be able to ourselves lead that trying. Because if you look at most congregations now, they don't have the time. They don't have the energy. They don't have yeah. the resources to go and try new stuff. They're, they're in the day-to-day. They have a lot of things, especially during COVID. You know, they're, just, they're tired. I see them. I, I feel yeah. them yeah. In, in how tired they are in doing ministry. So I said, we need to be able to go out and ourselves – Try these things and find partners so that we can try it. And by the end of the 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 meal, it could have been the Holy Spirit or it could have been the the you know the wine that we were having. But we were like, we need to do this.
1: We need to make this happen. And instead of a think tank, is going to be a tri tank. Yeah, and there's the name. Well, there's so many questions I want to ask you, but uh, let me frame it this way. So in the book, you write that, or you joke perhaps that you know, business school is like the anti seminary. Uh, which I laughed at because I, I was mentioning I just finished an MBA myself and I have an MDiv, um, but you've already used a couple words just in our conversation here um, that I think are interesting. Like um, you, know, you talk about scale, which is a very economic term, which <laughs> repl- replicable, which again these terms in some church context would just make anyone run a you know run and scream the other way or, or shout in terror. What Obviously, we're both seminary trained, so we we appreciate theology and tradition and ethics and 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 values. But I find and I imagine you also just a complete aversion to understanding some of these. I don't know business principles. Why do you think that is, and and what do you think should be done differently? You know, I
2: uh, I funny you say that because I uh, I often have to. Be careful when I'm speaking. I'm I'm happy to be very honest with you, but right. I, if I'm speaking to a mostly churchy crowd, right. I would have to be careful to not use terms like scale yeah. or personas or marketing. Marketing, God, you say marketing? <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness, yeah. You know, I I I think that that's Branding. the reason when people are like, "You're you're the you're the spawn of Satan" or something. I think something has happened, and as with most things like this, there there is truth behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Capitalism. C- capitalism has a lot oh my god probably more flaws if if we were to like sit down and and right. and and have a long conversation over wine we i would i would probably get to the point where i would say i think capitalism has failed and we need to try something else this is just not what god has wanted in yeah. the world yeah. it has created more harm than good but you can probably say that about like some church structures, right? right? So that said, though, so I think we look at capitalism and business as sort of the antithesis of what the church is. So there, that's evil, mm-hmm. and to make a lot of money is evil, and to is and, and whereas I don't necessarily, I, I don't want to travel into that ground because again, I would probably reach that conclusion myself, right? Right. But that said, they have spent enormous amount of time, money, and resources to create frameworks. There's another word, right? Right. To create things that work, that they have proven work, right? They know enough about us, Facebook, all these, don't even get me started on social media. (laughs) Yeah. But so they have put so much money into it and some of these things work. So if we can use those tools or those frameworks or those ideas or those ways of thinking, to actually better the church, if we're not hurting someone, right? I once was saying this to someone. He's like, "All right, Lawrence, I see your point, but would you roofie someone for Jesus?" I'm like, "Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> I would not. Good, um, uh, <laughs> that's an odd question." But that said, so if we can look at how the business world, for example, I'll give you here's a great example. I was listening the other day to uh, to a book on audiobook uh i was gonna say book on tape thus Mm -hmm. aging myself yeah Uh, i was listening to an audiobook and they were talking about um uh warren and uh the purpose-driven church Mm -hmm. right and in that church he says he created saddleback sam yeah and that was this is when they were launching it they said saddleback sam is who we're going after we're creating so when he puts it that way and he says we're gonna look for this person and it looks like this right the one thing that he's not telling you In that book is, this is a complete business way of looking at it, which is you create a persona and then you market to them to get the message to them so they will know, like, and trust. That's the basics of marketing. Know, like, and trust. But is that not also the basis of evangelism? People have to get to know that you exist. No. No. They have to get to like you before they're willing to to go into relationship with you. And then they have to trust you before they're going to give their relationship with God over to you and how you do the message. So know, like, and trust. So we can use those terms. We can use that knowledge that that is how people think and that why not use that for the betterment of the church now? I am in no way advocating that we should hurt people, that we should misuse resources, mm-hmm. that we should harvest people. Basically, that's what corporations do, right. right? They harvest the talent of people. That's not at all what I am saying. That said, what I think we can do is we can think strategically, not to use that word, but we can think of it and say, like, is are these tools perhaps something that – in in consultation with each other, in in discernment of prayer that we can use for the betterment of the church, and and I think that that's that's okay.
1: Yeah, I mean, because obviously there's a lot in the business world, whether it's the Gordon Geckos of or the Milton Friedman that profit is you know the the ultimate good, yeah. you know. But there's also I think folks who are fairly level headed, like I like listening to Simon Sinek. He start with why. I think there's a lot of crossover there. Um, I'm a big fan of, of story brand marketing. If you know um, Donald Miller and JJ Peterson, you know the, you know who are your, what problem are you solving? Because we we yeah. talk we often talk about folks will talk about like, oh, if your church was missing, how would the neighborhood mi- miss you? Like, if they're missing you, it's because you're solving a problem for them, right? Yeah, it's
2: just a different way of approaching. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean that one is right and one is wrong. Right. You can you can uh, you can arrive at all of these things probably through long-term discernment. It's the same way that you can you can build a building with a hammer and with nails and wood. You can totally do that. Or you can use more modern technology to help you do that. So, it's not saying that one is right and one is wrong. You're still going to build a house, but one is likely to to happen faster and to be a different way a pr- way of doing it. So not right or wrong, just a different way. So I think that, and and again, to the point, right, greed is good. Remember Gecko? Oh, God, that was, uh, and, and that was such a, that was my generation, Generation X, where yeah. that was sort of what we were driven by. And, and I just think that, and, and this ties it all back, I think, to where we began, which is being centered in prayer and on God. I'm not doing this to make profit. I'm not doing, and and rest assured, I'm also not doing this work to get more people in church for the sake of getting more people in church. Mm. This has to be about making disciples. This has to be about sharing the incredibly good news of a God who loves us so much that has always been there when we turned away and eventually was just like, all right, I'm going to go and be with you and enter time and space to show us the way of doing it. So that's the amazingly awesome news that we get to share with the world. And so I'm all for if we're centered on that, let's use whatever tool we can. Because I don't think if you're centered on Jesus, you could be sort of like so unethical. If you really are centered and, and try to be as pure and uh, to that call, then the work
1: you do will naturally be good work. I just think that's that's the way that works. Okay, let me ask this question then, perhaps from a contrarian point of view, because I'm thinking of, I don't know, do you know the name Craig Rochelle? Craig, well, I'm blanking on it. He's an evangelical guy, Life Church. Um, Interestingly enough, they're based in Oklahoma. They're starting a North Denver metro branch because, of course, um, Craig crochelle I think. Anyway, he, he'll say something like, you know, I want to get as close to the line. You know, I'll try everything up to the point of sin, which to me is like, again, that's fr- he's framing it from an evangelical context. You know, I, I think that's what often many uh, church people hear. They wouldn't frame it that way. They'd be like, you know, I want to be – I don't want to get anywhere near anything that could be possibly unjust or ungodly. What what would you say to something like that perspective? How would you say, "Hey, that's that's not what we're doing here"?
2: I so I'll give you an example. We created um, a couple of years ago. I had this. I was watching this show on Comedy Central called Drunk History. Mm -hmm. Which is a really funny show, right? And it has people that get drunk and they tell you a story from history. And then uh, what what happens is they get actors to reenact as this person is telling the story and they're getting more and more drunk. So the story is getting wilder and crazier as it goes. And I thought, hey, I wonder what would happen if we did that with Bible stories? Mm-hmm. Would, would younger people be more apt to still see the biblical truth, right? Because that's, the story is still told and it is a true story in drunk history. So could we do something like that for drunk uh, Bible? And, 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 I, and I shared it with my, my nephew. He's like, oh my God, I would even pay for something like that. So we're like, Let's, we should try it. Let's just go and try and see what happens. And I announced that we were doing that. And I heard back from people saying that this how hurtful this is that the Mm. church should not be in that in that in that space that making fun of this and and what i realized then and we created sort of the the rule for for tritank which is first do no harm Mm. there are many ways of achieving god's goals that are not harmful so why go towards something that i could have like said, no, this is actually going to be really good for young people and we're going to attract many young people. But I chose that, no, if, if someone's going to be hurt by us actively doing something that's supposed to bring people closer, then are we really doing God's work in that? So that's when I said, I don't think so. And we, we backed out. We said, no, we're not going to do this. We, we refuse to hurt people along the way. So I don't think that I would go as far as say, I will do anything but cross the line to sin because that, 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 I don't think we need to be anywhere near that line. Yeah. I don't think that that the spirit would would get us close to that line. So I'm just I would imagine that no, I I don't agree with that. I I and, and using business terms and business frameworks does not uh, by itself in and of I think business in and of itself is. And keep in mind, by the way. Even with all the the mishaps that Wall Street does and all that, the majority of people in this country are employed by small businesses. Mm-hmm. And for the most mm-hmm. part, small businesses are, you know, heart of the earth, just really good people trying to do good work for their communities. You know, they're the plumbers, the electricians, the, the, the services industry that we have. So I think business for them and, – and most of those are good, God-fearing, you know, Christians that go to church on Sunday that are doing good and they're trying to do the best they can. So – I I don't think we can just with a broad brush say everything's out.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is the importance of kind of having some values and, and guidelines to kind of, um, to keep things, you know, centered on prayer. Right.
2: I, I, I really do think that, that if you are centered on prayer, if you keep a good rule of life that involves prayer and, and also don't do it in isolation. I think, uh, I have a lot of conversation partners that I talk to about it like, hey, am I totally crazy and thinking blah, 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 blah. And they'll be like, no, yeah, you're totally crazy. Walk <laughs> away. Walk away. You know, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, and I always think that ideas get better, not to sound too much like a Presbyterian, right. but I think we, they get better when we do them as a group in conjunction with others. So one of the things we're trying to do now at Tritank is we're trying to do work with the Presbyterians, the Lutherans, the Methodists. We're trying to – all of them have now sort of set up innovation offices. So mm-hmm. can we all get
1: together and be like, how do we help each other out? But this is God's work that yeah. we're doing. Yeah. Well, I, I want to kind of shift gears here a little bit and just talk more nitty-gritty in the church Context. So, you write that trying and failing is not a big deal, um, and I just want to just like again. I guess I'm being contrarian here, but I'm so <laughs> trained in church that I'm like, why is trying and failing not a big deal? <laughs> to be clear, one doesn't set out hoping
2: to fail. That isn't what I'm what I'm what I'm saying with that statement, right? If if you were to think of everything that we do must succeed the way that we planned it, then we would never get anything done because we would never be that sure that anything's going to succeed. And, I mean, look at the biblical witness. Mm -hmm. The apostles, all but John, were martyred. So did they fail in doing their work? we right. would say that they did right so uh, fortunately when when i fail with an experiment i don't get martyred um yeah. so please don't that's not a that's not a hint for my bosses that let's martyr lorenzo and make an example what i am saying is that god is always calling us into something new mm-hmm. god is always inviting us to to meet god in different places and by doing that to be able to bring god to different places but we don't know those places. And by definition, as we try to travel into those places, we're gonna mess up. We're gonna be like, oh, okay, so that's a that's a no-end situation there. That's a you don't want to go down that street, right? So imagine you you just moved to a city and you're trying to get somewhere. It's only by trying the different routes. Well, nowadays I guess that's no longer as valid since we have GPSs like ways would get you over three people's parking lots to get you there. But if we look at it as how can we really meet God in these other spaces so that we can bring others to, to, to meet God as well, then we have to be willing to try things even if they're going to fail. And to be clear, out of the, I think we have 80, 87 experiments that we've done to date, uh, two out of three fail. Hmm.
0: Say and that I'm again. i proud of that. I, Say that two again. Two out of
2: three of our experiments Two fail. out of three fail. And to be clear, not once did I begin an experiment saying this is going to fail i said, this one's <laughs> going to be tricky, yeah. but if it works, it's going to be amazing. Uh, and that's what's exciting. And it reminds me the the bishop who ordained me, sent me out to one of the poorest communities. Uh, he's like, go. there." I was going to close him, but I chose not to close him. I think the Holy Spirit is still with him. So go and just be innovative with him. Go and try different things. And I'm like, great. How will we know your grace? How will we know in two or three years if we're succeeding in this work we're doing? And he just looks at me and is like, what? It's like, yeah. How will we measure whether or not we're succeeding? Lorenzo's business sort of way right, of thinking, right. and he said, "Because we love them, because mm. we're faithful to the call. That's all we have to do." And it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And that's, I think, the way that we look at this work is we're we're not trying to save the church, right? We don't need to save the church; it's God's church, and God will do God's work. What we're trying to do is live into a new new way of being in the world. That's different than what it was, right? We're not in the 1950s. We we no longer have the Cold War. We have young people. We have, for the first time ever, we have a generation coming in. This would be the Zs, who right. the oldest of which is, is 25, 26 this year. Uh, and the Alphas, who are nine this year, the oldest Alpha is nine, right? So these two generations are coming in. And the thing that happened is the millennials before them said, oh uh, – I'm not going to baptize my kids. I'm going to let them choose when they're older. So we have these two generations coming in that aren't even baptized. And yet two years ago, we saw the the number of nuns, those who choose no religious affiliation, start to go down, which begs the questions like, uh uh-oh, they're making choices, but they're not choosing Christianity where are they going yeah and they're doing a lot of do-it-yourself spirituality they're doing a lot of like Wiccan is up mm-hmm. and paganism mm-hmm. and, and so they and also because they don't even though they they would culturally call themselves Christian they refuse to associate with with a they just see it as one big right thing Christianity that they find to be exclusionary and hypocritical so they're like no we're not going to choose that so I think that we can see that and be like, uh-oh, we're in trouble and we're all going to die, right? All of our congregations are going to close. Or we can see that's as an invitation from God to be like, hey, some of my sheep are going elsewhere. How do we bring them this good message? How do we reach out to them and say, hey, uh, what we have to offer is a lot of what you're thinking about. When you're thinking about income inequality and thus you support Bernie Sanders the prophets have been talking about that for a long time. Mm-hmm. When you're out there on the streets for Black Lives Matters, justice is what God has been talking right. about forever. Years. When you talk about the environment, God gave us this environment and said, you are to take care of it from the book of Genesis. All of these things that you're saying are, is what you believe and want to stand for, so do we. So let us reconnect in some way. And if, if, if our answer is, is going to be well we're just going to keep doing it the way we were doing it which is to build a church and just hope that they walk in well that's one way right or we can enter into conversations with them where they are and where where they're doing living their lives and be like hey we have some some things to to talk about that we can talk about and also by the way honor the fact that they may not use terms that we use like transcendence sure. or community yeah. or all these other things but they have a relationship with the divine. They have a relationship with God, and it is up to us, as the elders, if you will, to to go and talk to them about, like, let me share with you my faith and why I'm such a happy person, why this joy, right? Jesus in Hebrews was anointed with the with the ointment of of joy. So I think we're and John ten ten that we're to have life and have it abundantly. All of these things. Life is meant to be good, and if we live Christianity well, that doesn't mean that there aren't problems, and we need to focus on those problems, and to tear down systemic racism, all those things. But we need to begin with a place of joy, that that is where God meets us, and thus meet them in that place so that we can bring them along for the work.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I want to, I, again, I, I find I keep asking, like, contrarian questions. So don't, I hope Go it's not it. coming across that way, but uh, I'm passionate about this and and uh, want to want you to want leaders to catch on to this. So I think one of the challenges that I've seen often in churches, especially small, struggling, mainline churches, is this kind of like pressure of like, oh, we we have to like hit on everything. So there's not a lot of resources. So what, what happens is like, well, we're only going to try one or two things and those have to hit. And then when they don't hit, it's like, well, we can't try anything again. And, you know, you you write in your book, like even doing everything right, some things won't work. So yeah. what do you advise, like, church leaders or, or pastors who, like, want to try something, but there's there's not a lot of resources? And, again, there's this kind of, like, institutional pressure. Like, it, if we're going to try something, it has to work. <sighs> the in- – and,
2: whoa, whoa, I'm going to add one on top of that. Yeah. Not only does it have to work, when it doesn't work, when we, quote, unquote, fail, then we think not only have we failed the institution and our church, we failed God. Right. And there's, there's a psychological weight that goes on top of you when you think you failed God. And I think part of what we need to do there is to be reminded of just how much God loves us and that there is nothing that we could do that would take away, you know, Romans 8, right? Nothing can separate us from the love of God mm-hmm. and Jesus. And so the way that we do this is by doing it. And in in the book, right, I talk about what's the minimum viable prototype that we can try. Again, these are business terms, but I'll give you another example. One of my distinctly uh, famous failures, if you will, Uh, I I did this thing that I thought was a great idea. I discovered that people were not going to church, right? I discovered, like, Lorenzo, wow, really? (laughs) You discovered America, dude. Well done. (laughs) But here's I also discovered that people were going a lot more to, like, group fitness classes. I'm like, Hey, wait a minute. Is it possible that people are finding their, their spirituality through group fitness classes? And then I saw this thing called a uh, soul cycle, uh, which are these huge uh, spinning cycle rooms, right? Spin studios. And that you enter one of them seriously, like the lights are dim and, and they have candles on the wall and it says, find your soul. And then when it begins, the instructor is like, there's only this day, and it was created for you. So I'm like, oh, my God. Well, that's just throwing like spiritual a, messaging.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: I know, right? Throwing a, a Jesus in there. That's a sermon. Yeah. You got it going on. So, of course, my, Lorenzo's brilliant idea was like, well, why don't we do that? Why don't we make it just a full-on Eucharistic service? Mm-hmm. Let's do spin church. And, and so we tried it out. Oh the the answer is no. <laughs> People who are already finding spirituality through group fitness are already finding spirituality through group fitness, mm-hmm. so they don't necessarily need to right. come to yours. You might as well just open up another church. That's what you're doing. You're competing for that. Yeah. But what I discovered through that through through that process was this this concept of the minimum viable prototype. Right. Mm. So in olden days, the way we would have done this experiment of spin church is like, okay, I guess we have to go out and lease a space, and we got to go out and either lease or buy the 30 bikes that we're going to have and we've got a market and we've got to sign you know the lease is going to be for five years all and right. we're going to have to hire staff you know so you're fifty thousand dollars in and then it doesn't easy, work and easy yeah yeah you, then it's like well it didn't work so obviously you can't try anything else because you've let go of all your resources in that one our experiment did not pass three thousand dollars and we ran it for eight weeks wow. we rented a spin studio we advertised it we i mean we ran like 160,000 impressions of our ads. They were seen by 27,000 people, right. like 1,200 of them in uh, touched on the ad. They, they, they somehow liked it, shared it, whatever. Mm-hmm. 10 people signed up and nobody went, right? Uh, but we were able to follow up with those 10 people to say like, hey, can I just ask you some questions? Why didn't you go? You signed up, all these things. And that's how we know. They already are finding their spirituality mm. through through other methods, right? So for three thousand dollars, rather than you know three hundred thousand right. dollars, we were able to try it by doing what's the minimum thing that we can do to test it. I even could have, you know, we probably if we had fewer resources, we could have figured out a way. Could we just do it through advertising and then call those people and ask them like, what would what, what would you expect? What would it look like? That's why the the framework then in the book uh, is you know you you do the research you do the discovery phase first. Most people in the church begin at step number two, which is come up with ideas, and yeah. then step number three is yeah. to try it. So if if you and I were like in a congregation, I'd be like, okay, Lauren. Here's what we're going to do. We need to reach young people. And you'd be like, okay, let's let's come up with what, how we're going to reach young people. I know, I know. What if we build them like a skate park? I'm like, right, oh, that, brilliant idea. Right. Young people are always skating. Uh, right, they're not. They're not doing it through like the metaverse. They're not doing it out and, and about. And so we go out and build it. And then we spend, you know, $10,000 right. on building this skate park. And no kids show up. And then we're like, well, what happened? Why are they showing up? This is why we don't try new things. And then what we didn't do was find out what are young people into these days? What would they want to do? Did we go and sit with them and say, hey, if we wanted to build something just for you to hang out and spend time with, what would that look like? What would it feel like? Uh, Did we find out whether or not there's young people near us? I mean, I live in Palm Springs. If you build a skate park here, uh, good luck in this retirement community (laughs) in reaching those young people. So I just, that that first step of finding the data Uh, is is so important so that we can actually then come up with with actual something that serves the ra- serve. See, I'm, I was about to say serves the market, right? Uh, yeah. un, let me put it in churchy terms. Yeah. In order for us to reach the unchurch or dechurched, now we need to find out how they would like to experience spirituality. That's called market research. Mm-hmm. And then finding out how they would want to experience spirituality, as long as it doesn't go against how we are, who we are as a church, mm-hmm. then let's be willing to try it. So it's like, okay, let's build that for you and try it. We keep seeing, for example, in even our, from our evangelical brothers and sisters that church on Friday night or Thursday night is very successful in some places, even more than Sunday because Sundays have become so busy with everything else. So, but so many of us are still like, no, church is Sunday morning at nine o'clock and you don't change that. It's like, or do we? Why don't we change that? Last time I checked, Moses only came down with 10 rules, uh, (laughs) or 15 if you follow Mel Brooks, right? He only came down with 10 rules written in stone. Everything else is us. So maybe God is calling us to try it a little
1: bit different, and why don't we? Yeah. Uh, I want to ask you one more question before we take a break. Uh, We've been talking around like frameworks, uh, using that term a lot. So explain for our listeners what you mean by frameworks and how they can be helpful Uh, in a church context.
2: Absolutely. A framework is basically a step-by-step guide. That's all that means. It means that it gives you sort of the outline of what you sort of need to do and and the order you need to do it so that you can follow it. And what I find when I go around talking to people about the church, how it needs to change, innovation in the church, they get it. They're like, I totally understand, but I don't know how, right? So going back to, Remember saddle Saddleback Sam? Right, right. I was basically writing to, you know, retired Susan, who is on a vestry. She's 67. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I get that we need to reach younger people because I look around and I don't see young people. And so add 20 years and they're not going to be here, but I don't know how. So when I wrote this, this short book was like, how would she understand it? How would she be able mm-hmm. to get what I'm talking yeah. about? And so I broke down design thinking, which is normally like eight steps. I said, no, that's way too many. Right. That a framework needs to be simple and that, that, that whoever the intended audience will do. And so uh, I wrote it in just three steps, right? The how do you do the discovery phase? How do you do the idea phase? How do you do the trying phase? So in a way that that's another way of looking at frameworks, by the way, it's a recipe. A recipe is a framework to make a cake. Yeah, that's good. That's good. <laughs> so, and, and that's what this book is, by the way. And by the way, I also need to mention that the book is now available on audio. Oh. Audi- it's also on Audible now. So if, you, if you're if you not yet sick of my voice and you want to hear
1: me read the book to you for four hours, <laughs> you can get it on Audible. Well, make sure to send me a link uh, to that, and I'll include it in the show notes. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Last question here before we take a break. Um, what advice do you have to – pastors, church leaders in this, you know, I hate to say post covid because it seems like we're never going to be post covid but post, you know, the, the two year crisis since covid, yeah. I guess. The the endemic that is becoming right. covid right. I think that
2: um well, and after covid now we're probably going to end up in in some sort of monkey financial pox, issues with monkeypox and then there are so, there will always be things that are there, right? What I think particularly I think covid has shown us Right, COVID proved to us that we can do digital church mm-hmm. and that before COVID, we, we weren't do, uh, doing digital church. Church was only on Sunday at a particular time. Now, digital church actually provides us an opportunity to be like, oh, we can meet people throughout the week in other ways. It's like, so that's one thing. It's like, how else might we be able to meet people throughout the week now that we know we have digital tools and we can use those digital tools But I think it's also an opportunity, you know, for us to rethink how we're doing. And and here, I know we're about to go on break, but I'm going to drop a bomb here on you. When was the last time – that the church said, what's our goal? Our goal is, you know, in the, in, in the Episcopal tradition, Book of Common Prayer, page 855, you are, we're to reconcile people to God yeah. and by making disciples, right? That's what we're to do. Or if you're not an Episcopalian and you've heard of the Great Commission, right? Go out and make disciples. That's pretty much what we're called to do. We're called to bring this amazing good news to the world. Mm-hmm. Great. If that's our goal, when was the last time that the church sat down and said, okay, pause for a second, time out, time out, do we have the structures set up now to do that the best? Or should we change our structures completely? Yeah. Or are our structures right now set up mainly to maintain the structures and not to do our goal? That, if I say that to some people, they will like shoot me because they're like, wait, you're 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 questioning everything. I'm like, yes, because we should question everything. Our goal is to make disciples, and every once in a while we need to think about it and say, like. Are we doing the best we can? Uh, This would be no different than when refrigerators came about and somebody asked, hey, are we doing the best way to to keep things cool by still having someone deliver ice that we literally put into a box and we call an ice box Mm -hmm. to keep things cool? Or is the more effective way now to do this thing that we plug into the wall and it keeps it cool? Every once in a while, we're called upon going to Simon Sinek if we're playing the infinite game right. and not just they're trying to solve the problems game because yeah. then it becomes like if we're only solving problems, then what we're looking at is like how do we get people more, more people back in church so that we can maintain the churches? right? That, that's, that's a very limited yeah. game. The, the finite, the infinite game rather, mm-hmm. is the, are we making disciples? Because that's what we're called upon to do. And if we're doing that, then it behooves us every once in a while to question, are we doing it the best way we can, or should we consider something else as a way of doing it? And it doesn't mean that we have to get rid of everything we have. It just means that we need to think about new and different ways of doing to try to get our goal
1: well, that's great. I wish we had more time to dive more into that, but uh, let's take a break and we'll come back with some closing questions. All right, we're back with Loren- Excuse me, we're back with Lorenzo Labrija, and uh, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate the conversation. I'm still nervous about pronouncing your name, uh, so hopefully, I got just it right call me in. Lorenzo.
2: <laughs> Lorenzo's good. I tend to be the only Lorenzo in, in in
1: in most groups that I go to, so everyone just knows me as Lorenzo. You can take these closing questions as seriously or not as you'd like to. Uh, but if you're pope for a day, what does that day look like? What would you want to accomplish? Something like that? It'd be weird as an
2: Anglican who's married to be pope for a day. But hey, I'll take it. Uh, I would. What if I were pope for a day? I would try to figure out how we can dechurch. Uh, spirituality as much as possible, to mm. make it more about people and the relationship with God. Uh, because I think that's what Jesus was about. Uh, the, the church provides wonderful structures, amazing opportunities to gather and worship together. Those are great things. But when it hinders people from from getting closer to God and having a relationship with God that, that's palpable, that they can feel and influences their lives, then we should consider whether or not that's, that's the best thing we can do.
1: Very intriguing answer. I like it. Um, a theologian or historical figure you'd want to meet or bring back to life? <laughs> bring back to life. Wow. Just for the sake of like, hey, walk
2: around. Yeah. Um, you know, when you say Christian historical figure, obviously the correct answer is Jesus. No, uh, but he's already been brought back to life. So, you know, someone that I would love to have th- – I, I there are three. Mm-hmm. There are there are three that I I would just love to have some conversations with Augustine about like, dude, can we talk a little about sexuality? Uh, I think you, you 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 can we just talk a little bit about that? Sure. You know, yeah. just I think the things you laid down uh, might be misconstrued in the future. <laughs> so let's let's have a little conversation about that. Maybe just to add more clarity to your writing. Yeah. Um, sure. So I would love to get some some further explanation from Augustine about sexuality. Uh, Aquinas is someone that I would just love to sit there and just have a long conversation with. It's like, pretend that I don't believe in God and just convince me in through all your incredibly logical ways about something as unlogical as love. So convince me not that there is a God in because it's the logical conclusion. Convince me through logic that God is love. I would just love to have that conversation with him over some beers, um, uh, and then the final one would be Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, I'd love to have a conversation with with uh, Reverend Bonhoeffer about sort of like mm, I, I'm all, I'm all for not doing cheap grace, uh, but can we talk a little bit about the level of sacrifice? Mm. Because I think many of us. Think that unless we're suffering a lot for God, then we're not doing enough for God at that point. So I, I would just love to. That's just for my own edification, actually. That one has nothing to do with greater, wow. uh, you know,
1: yeah. societal ramifications. Well, I think I think clergy could benefit from that third conversation. Uh, oh yeah, I, I think
2: yeah. I, 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 and also because I mean, think about the people we hold up, the people yeah. whom we name days for, yeah. Are generally people who were martyred or just had horrible endings like could we not hold up someone that died happily in their bed and had a wonderful life but was just a great pastor and just like or, and reminded people that you know i i am not in the reform tradition mm-hmm. but i still find every once in a while i like to listen to robert schuler yeah because his joy of christianity sure. is is such like I, I, do we always need to just be so focused on the sinful part? Yes, I know we're sinners, trust me. Mm-hmm. I know we're sinners, but God forgives us and that should give us joy. Not like I need to be contrite and put my head down all the time, but no, God has forgiven me. So I get to live into this joy again. Again, you'll you'll discover that I'm a very joyful person. So it might just be my own,
1: my own thing. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, what do you think history will remember from our current time and place? Certainly COVID. And
2: I do think that in the next 10 years, we're going to start to see a drastic change. In, um, I, I was reading this book uh, about Generation Z. Mm-hmm. Again, I do a lot of reading a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I read six newspapers. Oh, sorry, I skim six newspapers a day. And I, and I try to just to be up into what's happening. Mark Driscoll here, huh? <laughs> No, no, no. He was one book a day, right? Absolutely not. And and I am the opposite of his machismo. And uh, so, but anyways, um, I was reading this amazing book about, uh, I'm trying to think of the name. Where is it? Anyways, I'll try to think of the name. I think I think it's called Fight. Uh, anyways, the great quote from this book is, Generation Z will change America more than growing up in America will have changed Generation Z. Wow. And he goes on to explain it's – they're not going to buy into this whole Americana, the American dream. They're not – all of that, which is what we normally take as America. Mm -hmm. So all these structures that are set up, they're going to – when so when they come of power, when they come into their own to take over, they're going to be like, no, uh, we're done with that and we're going to change that over there. They're finally – going to make the changes that we probably should have done a long time ago, particularly when it comes to like climate change. So it is amazing to me to just an expectation to sort of figure out what are they going to do to the church? How are they going to change the church? And we're, we we at Tritank are about to embark in some ethnographic studies hmm. of 25 year olds and whatnot, just to try to figure out, like, what is, where's your spirituality? Where's the church there? Or how can the church be better prepared to meet you there in your spirituality? Because they're going to change us. They're going to change us drastically. And I want us to be ready for that in in in, in an amazing open arms sort of way. Not like, oh my God, we got to fight them off, right? They're coming to change. us. like, no, no, no. We I welcome you. <laughs> you know, I, I want this change. I'm just excited by that. So I think what this current time and place will be known as is when we're finally starting to see now that they're turning 25, 26, Generation Z is coming into their own. There are we're we're at the beginning of what will be dramatic changes in the world that are coming
1: yeah yeah that's that's very intriguing uh what do you hope then like in response to this coming change like that that i don't know church will respond better to these younger folks these younger folks will find reason to value in the church what what do you hope for the future of christianity um what do you hope for the future? Wow. <laughs> it's a good thing this is a, a final question. It's
2: like, hey, Lorenzo, just in passing, what do you think of the future of and Christianity? And make it 30 like, seconds for less, by the way. way. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, sorry. Um, he, I hope that we find a way of showcasing to younger people the relevancy of the story of Jesus Christ. That we find it, because it is very relevant. My life is... Is what it is because of my relationship with Jesus, and I'm that, that. That doesn't make me someone who walks around in the supermarket trying to convert people, right? Mm-hmm. But it gives me more compassion. I hope toward people. So not conversion, but compassion. It makes me a better person that wants to do more for my community. That makes me right. All the things that we know engagement with scripture does for a person. It just turns your life better. That we we find a way of communicating that to them so that they realize how how good it can be taste and see that the lord is good right so these aren't new things but i it's coming and that and that is coming so i am i am my hope is that we will get there sooner rather than later as a church rather than trying to just hold on to perhaps structures that are no longer serving us or more importantly are no longer no longer serving our, our, our god our our
1: mission in the world yeah well this has been a great conversation and there's so much i wish we had more time to talk about but <laughs> we got to folks will probably get tired i could talk of for listening. hours about this work yeah. <laughs> tell where people can connect with you the dry tank that kind of thing Sure. So, uh, Tritank is, uh, on the web at
2: tritank.org. That's T R Y T A N K dot O R G. Uh, from there you can reach me. I'm, I'm a staff of one <laughs> except with the llama. So it's, it's easy to get a hold of me there or just Lorenzo at tritank.org. And it's, uh, I, enter into conversation with anyone who wants to have a conversation about innovation in the church. How does church work? How does, uh, because I think that it is with each other that we can find the spirit. It is, if it was just me, then it would be a a selfish sort of ego driven enterprise. Whereas I'm like, no, no, no. The, the wisdom of the church is in the church. So I'll talk to anyone. Uh, and so Lorenzo at tritank.org. I'm also on Facebook uh, which is a place where people can also find me. And you can reach me at Facebook. Where am I? I'm Rev Labrija, Rev Lorenzo. So it's facebook.com. Rev Lorenzo is where people can find me on Facebook. And uh, as long as you don't expect me to like chat up on the Messenger app, then I'm, I'm fairly good at doing doing Facebook with you. And like I said, uh, I, I love talking to people. And I set aside a certain amount of hours per week just so I can have conversations.
1: That's great. That's a good idea. It's a good idea. Good boundaries. Um, the book is How to Try Design, Thinking, and Church Innovation. Uh, really recommend it just for folks who are trying to get some idea of what to do and how that would even look to try something different. Uh, and again, I appreciate, Lorenzo, this the spirit of trying uh, and being okay with not everything having to work, but doing the homework yeah. first. Exactly. It, uh, I'll,
2: I'll just finish with this. I was being introduced at a, at a conference recently, and because of the fact that we try to model failure and we fail quite often, right? And, and I don't mind naming it as failure. People are like, oh, you always learn. And it's like, of course we do, right? Uh, but but it was a failure. What we set out to do didn't work. So it's okay to call it a failure. It, but because the more we can do that, the more we can take away this power that is not. But I was being introduced as like, and the man who loves failure is all about failure. And it's like, well, let's not, <laughs> let, let, let's. Let's let's bring that back a, a little.
1: little. Bit. <laughs> I want us to succeed a little, but it's okay if we fail what we're trying. Yeah. Well, this has been a great conversation. I really appreciate your time. Uh, leave everybody with a word of peace, so may God's peace be with you. May the peace of God which surpasses all understanding always be with us.
0: Thanks for joining us on the Future Christian Podcast. To learn more about Lauren or the podcast, visit future-christian.com. One more thing before you go, do us a favor and subscribe to the podcast. And if you're feeling especially generous, leave a review. It really helps us get the word out to more people about the podcast. The Future Christian Podcast is a production of Torn Curtain Arts and Resonate Media. Our episodes were mixed by Danny Burton, and the production support is provided by Paul roe Thanks, and go in peace.